morning's homily is going to begin with a little theology lesson. So if you would open your textbook, your Catholic book of worship, to page 312, or number 312, you'll find a hymn that we know well from the Advent season, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And we sing it quite regularly through Advent, but if you look in the Catholic book of worship, it actually tells you when we should be singing. O come, O come, Emmanuel, as there are dates written beside each of the verses. The reason for that is that each one of these verses come from what we call the O antiphons. These O antiphons, are all, they all originate from prophecies about the Messiah in the Old Testament. And each one of them begins with a title of the Messiah, of who the Messiah is, who, who he will be, when he comes. And so those O antiphons become for us the final preparation leading up to the celebration of Christmas. And where we hear them is in the gospel acclamation and in Vespers evening prayer in the church starting on December 17th, moving to Christmas. And so at weekday mass since Monday, we've had them as our gospel acclamation. And for those of us who pray evening prayer, it has been there as well, as this final focus on the coming of the Messiah that we celebrate at Christmas. And the one that we know the best, that we sing the most, because it's the first verse in here, which is actually the last O antiphon, is O come, O come, Emmanuel, which we know when we hear in the gospel that Emmanuel means God is with us. This is the title that we hear lived out in the gospel today with Mary's visitation to Elizabeth. That Mary has conceived in her womb the Son of God. And she runs to go and be with her cousin Elizabeth. And by the grace of the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth recognizes in Mary that she carries this gift. Why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me, that God is with us. This is the great mystery of the incarnation that we celebrate at Christmas, but that we remember it's not just on the day that Jesus was born that this began, but from the moment that Mary conceived by the Holy Spirit, God came to be with us through Mary. For those of you here who have Ukrainian Catholic roots, you'll know well the title of Mary Theotokos, which means in English, God-bearer. And it's a title that Ukrainian Catholics use often and with great reverence for Mary. She is the one who bears God. Another title for Mary that we use sometimes in the church is the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was the vessel that the Jewish people carried the stone tablets with the Ten Commandments through Israel. And it held the highest place in the temple. And it was in a room that only one priest could enter once a year because that was the greatest presence of God that they had until the birth of Jesus. And that ark carried that presence of God in the Ten Commandments until Mary. 
who she became the Ark of the Covenant because she carried God's presence, Jesus, within her womb. We can hear it also in that Christmas hymn that we all know. Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know that when you kissed your little baby, you kissed the face of God? Or did you know that the babe that you are holding is the great I Am? This is the incarnation that God came to be with us. And it's exceedingly difficult to wrap our heads around it. So from one of my favorite books called Heart of the World, I'll just give you some images that the author gives to try to understand what God actually has done and is doing for us. Here's how he tries to describe an image what really happens at the incarnation. Incomprehensible sign set up in the world's midst between heaven and earth. Composite body like that of a centaur in which were alloyed what ought to remain eternally separated by the distance of awe. The divine ocean forced into the tiny wellspring of a human heart. The mighty oak tree of divinity planted in the small fragile pot of an earthly heart. God sublime on his throne of majesty and the servant toiling with sweat and kneeling in the dust of adoration no longer distinguished one from the other. The eternal God's awareness of his kingship pressed into the nescience of human abasement. All the treasures of God's wisdom and knowledge stored in the narrow chamber of human poverty. The vision of the eternal father shrouded in the intuition of faith's obscurity. The rock of divine certainty floating on the tides of earthly hope. The triangle of the Trinity balanced on one tip upon a human heart. Or, if you want a simpler image, what I usually tell elementary school kids, it's like you choosing to become an ant, and then some. That this is the gift of God to us, his willingness to be a part of what we live. And that is a gift unique to our Christian faith. There is no other religion in the world that even posits that God would be willing to be one among us, Emmanuel. And that incarnation changes everything. It makes all the difference in how we live. One thing that I believe is that in our country, we have not yet come to realize how our Christian foundations give us many of the things that we take for granted as foundational principles in our society that are founded on the Incarnation. That some of the things that we treasure most about our country in Canada are actually founded on what is given to us through the Incarnation. I'll give you three examples. The first is the Christian understanding of creation. That by the Incarnation, God has shown us that creation is sanctified, that is blessed, that we are entrusted stewards of this creation, which means that we care for it, that we look after it, that there is beauty in creation that speaks to us of God, which is why Pope Francis pointed to in one of his letters 
that when we build cities as Christians, we create green space so that that creation of God is in our midst. If you've ever been to a previously or currently communist-run city, what do you see? Concrete everywhere without beauty because everything is based on being practical. But we live in the beauty of creation, but not to the extent that if we kill a fly, we're committing murder. Because at the same time, God has given us creation to be used by us in respect and in dignity. Or another example is our understanding of the equal dignity of all persons. Now, we're not overly good at living that out, but we hold to that principle in our society that all people are created equal. That's not something that just comes with being human. That doesn't just automatically happen because you're human. The equal dignity of all people comes from the notion and the understanding that God has created every person in his image and likeness. That is something that's gifted to us. And that God was willing through his son to take flesh in human form says that the human person has inherent value. That is something from our Christian faith. Or a third, that in the incarnation, what we are given, and maybe the most important, is that through the Son of God becoming flesh in the person of Jesus, God becomes concrete, knowable, and most of all, lovable. That for us as Christians, God is not just a spirit in the sky that we have to submit to because he is the all-powerful one, but he's got a face. Jesus reveals to us the face of the Father because he is Emmanuel, God with us. And because of that, God is lovable. To speak of being able to love God is something that is very Christian. Because when God decided to come and be amongst us, he could have done it in any way that he wanted. But we remember at Christmas that the way that God chose to come and be with us was in an infant, a child. Because in the incarnation, what is eternal becomes finite. The all-powerful one becomes vulnerable. The one who knows everything makes himself willing to learn in our midst. We can't comprehend that mystery. If we try to understand it with our minds, we aren't capable. Our view of the world is too small to understand how so much could become so little. But in love, we can know God. That's the gift of Christmas. That through love, we can come to know what that gift is for us individually and for all of us as Christians. That's the great gift of our Christian faith. It changes everything of how we understand ourselves, the way that we look at others, and how we come to know God. This is the homily that I would really like to give at Christmas.
I can't because it's too far beyond what most people can accept. It's too much to take in. It's scandalous to think that God would want to be among us. But it's so important if we're going to properly understand the gift of our Christian faith. Because it continues. God became flesh at Christmas. God continues to be active in the church through the Eucharist. This is the incarnation presented us, to us again. God becomes substantial in bread and wine, present for us. And he becomes present for us again and again every time we pray. The incarnation changes everything because our God is Emmanuel, the one who has come to be with us. Mm -hmm.